0: Have no fear of missing out. The shows about FOMO, your hosted by Inspanzo, can tell you what you don't know. And now, your host, i Social Fans. Welcome back to another episode of FOMO Fans. My name is Brian Fanzo, better known as I, Social Fans. Today we are talking about think like a fan. Yes, think like a fan. No, I did not change my last name. I did not configure this podcast to play along with my mantra of think like a fan. I have the last name of Fanzo, and it's the perfect name for a sports bar that I hope to open one day, which will be called the Fan Zone and uh, you know, don't steal that name. But until then, uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about what I believe is a philosophy and mindset shift to really disrupt how we, how we think of marketing our business. It doesn't matter if you're a enterprise company, it doesn't matter if you're a business, it doesn't matter who you are and what space you're in. The idea of kind of questioning how you do things from a fan's perspective, is extremely important. I'm gonna break down to you guys about eight different ways that I think we have to really reshape this conversation, especially around traditional marketing uh, landscape. And I'm gonna break those down for you. This is a lot of what I've talked um, on different stages around uh, the world for the last two years. But instead of just talking live video, this is a much bigger discussion around business marketing as a whole. And as we're talking marketing, we're talking business. First, I want to give some love to my sponsor, Nine Spokes. Uh, Nine Spokes is a smart dashboard for your data as a small business, as an entrepreneur. It allows you to pull all of your data from all of different cloud apps into one place, giving you a centralized view of everything you have going on. Check out Nine Spokes. Dot FOMOFans.live. That's nine spokes. Put that in your browser. It'll take you to a landing page. It is free. You can sign up right there on the landing page. Then you start configuring your cloud tools to bring all of that data into one view. Check out nine spokes. Love that they're sponsoring the podcast for the entire month of August. So we are kicking off August with Think Like a Fan. And then, of course, if you're new to the show, at the end of the show, I record these broadcasts live. So right now we're on Facebook Live and Periscope, but I turn the broadcast off and I do a podcast-only podcast only Uh, A five-minute rant at the end of every episode so if you're watching this on live stream or maybe you're tuning in for the first time make sure you tune in for the last five minutes of the episode as I'll be ranting about something Uh, it's always fun to kind of uh, tweak what I've just talked about and kind of come at it from a a real opinionated approach so uh, hopefully you guys will tune into that and that is actually sponsored by my friends over at iographer so iographer uh, sponsors the last five minutes but now that we got into making this show happen Let's get into Think Like a Fan. And for me, really where Think Like a Fan came up from is that I didn't go to school for marketing. Um, I didn't really even know what marketing was while I was in college. Uh, And I was a business major, which is kind of funny. I I always thought of marketing as kind of a necessary evil, like sales. But I didn't really understand the skill set and the creativity and really the impact that it can have across an entire organization. And it took me a little while to figure out kind of Uh, exactly what marketing was, where it fit into the pipeline. And then, of course, social media marketing really transformed the conversation to another level because social media really allowed us you know, I'd say entrepreneurs, small business owners, to start marketing and doing things that traditionally, you needed a big budget to accomplish. Traditionally, you needed a marketing agency. And all of a sudden, you were now able to reach your audience, you are able to connect a lot of these dots that you weren't able to connect before. And, and this was a, a transformation kind of in what marketing meant and what, how we are moving things forward. And I'd probably say live video was the next great um, disruptor because now video can be done from our phones. I mean, we're able to, to create a video directly from our phone now and, and do it at a, at a really professional level to the point where, The idea of creating video content um, from a marketing perspective is no longer about studio rental and all of these other aspects that have really inhibited uh, video kind of taking off. But I want to get into the mindset. And so for everyone that's listening, every time I hear the word disruption, or transformation. Of course, you know, the the podcast that I co-host with Daniel Newman called Smack Talk, Daniel is is a real big thought leader in the digital transformation space. But when you start thinking about disruption and transformation, one of the things I think we forget, or one of the things I think we often assume, is that to disrupt, to transform, means to invent from new. Right? To disrupt status quo, we, the status quo of marketing, of video marketing, we needed live video. No, no, no. To disrupt something to the point where we are actually changing or transforming the result really comes down to a simple process of questioning why you're doing something, what the end results are, and what your desired level of success is. Let me let me explain how that works, right? So you know the idea, you know Uber is, the, is always a great one to you know to use because we can wrap our heads around Uber. Uber didn't say I need to put a flying car in you know in in the area so that I could disrupt the taxi cab area. What they did is they questioned is the way the only way that we can get a cab is by you know, sticking our hand up on the side of the street or having the bellhop call the local cab company? Is that the only way? And then the other question became, what is it that we desire from the experience of, of getting a car, of a cab, of a taxi, right? What is that experience? We, we, prefer, we prefer safety. We prefer someone that we can trust that's going to get us from point A to point B. And we would really like simplification. I don't know about you guys, but I traveled a lot overseas, and there's nothing more really frustrating and taxing on me than when I was renting a car in Korea or Bahrain or Kuwait or Hong Kong. And I had to think about, okay, I have to have the right amount of money. Hopefully the cab driver can translate what I'm talking about. And then also hopefully that, you know, like even as they started taking credit cards, there was really a disconnect, a there was a, a break between the experience of, of rent of, you know, technically all we were doing was calling a car, but the process was really broken. And so what Uber did to disrupt that is they simplified the process. They realized that if we were able to order it on our phone, it would simplify the process. If we were able to connect our billing to our, you know, a master credit card in our company, we wouldn't have to worry about all these people that fake their receipts. Um, yeah, if you're in business, you don't realize that everybody kind of fakes their receipts when it comes to uh, taxi cabs you're like can i get a blank receipt so i can put the start mileage and the end mileage and how much i tipped you because we always put on the receipt that we tip the taxi driver you know full 20 percent or whatever we decide knowing damn well that if it was a bad experience we tip them lower and we're just kind of you know putting that on our receipt but one of the things that you know really i love to break down the reason i like using uber is disrupting the status quo to me more is more about questioning why we do something how we're doing it, and then what the end result is. And if we're able to question all of the things in our business, especially around marketing, and we're able to answer, yes, this is, the, this is how we're doing it, this is, the, this is the why we're doing it, and the end result is exactly what we want, then don't disrupt it. Continue doing what you're doing. But the craziest part about this conversation is we often do not question what is, our, what is working today to make sure that it works tomorrow. What I mean by that is email marketing is one of the is the number one way to really drive sales in business today. There's really no one arguing that, right? It's more powerful in social media. It's because everyone is kind of tied to your inbox. Your pur- purchasing decisions are in the inbox. And also, let's face it, we've been trained to buy and click on links in our inbox even more so than we have on social media. But are you are you asking yourself as a marketer, as a business owner? Am I using email marketing because people have told me it works and I'm doing the same thing as everyone else? Or, hey, my, my goal of email marketing is to you know, mature a lead across the, across the funnel. And rather than me continuing to blast everybody with my blog post and my invite, all these things that we already know that we blast everybody with, Why don't I reinvent what my email marketing solution looks like? Because my real goal on email marketing is to get people to buy my $100,000, $200,000 tool. Like, this to me is amazing. Whenever I get an email from an enterprise company, let's say Nike, I get, a, I get an email from Nike, and I get an email from a small business owner that has two employees and has one, uh, you know, has a restaurant here in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and they're using the same template, they're using the same call to action, and they're doing the exact same thing. To me, something is broken. The fact that these two businesses are completely different, the fact that they are, the way that they do business are different, the services they do are are different, yet they've all taken the exact same email marketing course. And the interesting part about this is, If you want to personalize your experience, if you're, you know, my dad always said, you know, the reason we went to hole-in-the-wall restaurants is because my dad liked the intimate experience and being able to to connect with the owner. If you're trying to to present that you are a business that cares about the people and that you are, you know, it's a one-to-one relationship and we built this on the back of my family and all of these things, why the hell are you copying Nike's email marketing tactics? Well, the answer to that is, We kind of live in this programmatic world, especially in marketing, where we see something that works, and then we copy it. Rather than seeing something that works and studying why and how it works, we just decide to copy it point blank across the board. And the cool part about that is, it has worked. For everyone that's out there, it has worked forever. And I I, I tip my hat to everyone that has realized that copying the way that everyone else is doing it successfully has worked. Here's the breaking news. 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, as, we mo- as the consumer understands that the consumer is more powerful, more connected, and oftentimes more knowledgeable than the brand, than the agency, than the business, we're gonna st- you're going to start seeing consumers start taking action that isn't predictable, that isn't the same way that we've always done it. And the reason that is is because we've still treat mar- we still treat our consumers today like they are stupid. We still today treat our customers, our consumers, like they are dumb. We're like, hmm, if I blast them the exact same email as Nike and I do it with my letterhead and I do it with my my name on there and my picture, they'll believe that I have my shit together and they'll click on the link. No, that's we, we literally have treated our consumer like that, and so here's, I'm gonna break down some of the things that we need to get over, and I want you as a business owner, as a marketer, as a social media manager, maybe as an entrepreneur, maybe as someone that's just trying to figure out where this thing is going, these are the things I want you to start thinking about differently, right? And I want you to realize that this change has to do with technology, has to do do with a smarter consumer, and it also has to do with, there's a bunch of things that businesses have been doing for a long time that have worked but are annoying, disruptive, and now that we, the consumer, we, the consumer, we, the fan, have the power, we're going to start transforming. And so the first thing you have to kind of get over is perfection and control, right? And, I, and you guys have heard this on this podcast all the time. I talk all the time about perfection is a fairy tale and control is an illusion. If you believe that you can control some, a, a, a consumer's buying habits throughout your funnel, you are wrong. If you, you, you can shape them, you can direct them, but there is no control about it. And part of the crazy thing that most, you know, that really blows a lot of people's minds in this space is when you start walking people through a, a funnel, walking people through a buying process, the reason that they continue to come back and the reason that they're going down that funnel is because you've touched on a pain point. They believe you can solve a problem, and more likely than not, they can afford what the hell you're selling or what you're talking about, right? And that hasn't changed. You know, people, people have always said people buy from people they like. People buy solutions that actually solve a problem for them. They just don't buy from people that they don't like. And here's what I believe the think like a fan concept really is going to disrupt, especially around marketing. People buy from those that they can relate to, and those they trust relate to them, if I can believe that a brand relates to me as the consumer, me as the fan, and understands my pay point and living paycheck to paycheck and having to put my kids through college or whatever, whatever the consumer's pain points are, if if that consumer trusts that the brand understands who they are, then they're going to continue down that journey. They're going to un- they're going to come along with you. And so this is where perfection is actually oftentimes going to work against you moving forward. If you are the perfect brand, right? We've all seen brands that kind of portray that we are the world's greatest pizza, or we are we are the best solution for cloud services, or there is no other you know, enterprise social business tool that is better than ours. Well, here's the thing. If you're the best in everything, and you are, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread, would you even need to market at me? Would you even need to put me through a funnel If you were the greatest thing in the world, wouldn't you automatically be my number one choice? And I think this is where I really look at kind of the the broken model. And I don't ever want to look at Apple. I don't want to look at Google. I'm not looking at Amazon, right? There's always some exceptions to the rules on how you get things done. I mean, even though... I've been screaming for Apple to get on social media for a long time. I noticed that they do have an Instagram account today, so kudos, Apple. Hopefully you're FOMO fans, fans, FOMO fans, fans. That's kind of funny. Um, but one of the things that I, you know, around this concept is, okay, if we can realize that we don't need to be perfect, Where does that lead us, right? And for me, this leads us to community and understanding that community is not only our our customers and our potential customers, but it's also our employees. So I I will challenge every single person out there today. If you're listening to this, this is probably the one thing you can do today and really test your marketing. Ask your employees. Do they follow you on social media? Do they subscribe to your email newsletter? Do they read your blog posts? Are they using your product? If you have not been able to get your employees on board, if your employees do not see your value in your product, in your solution, if they do not appreciate your marketing, your marketing is broken right? Let, let's just face it. Because they're, they're on your payroll. They, they should be your number one test solution. They should be your biggest fans. They should be who you're relying on. And then guess what? They should be who you're empowering to help tell your story. I truly believe in employee advocacy. I believe that not every employee needs to be a social employee, but every employee plays a role in telling the brand's story. And to do that, you have to trust your employees. Therefore, when you ask your employees, do they read your marketing? Are they subscribed to your email list? Don't ask it in a way that makes them feel defensive. They're going to say, of course I do. Of course I do. Because that's not what you want. Ask them, hey, I'm curious. If you don't subscribe to our email newsletter for our company, what, what could we add to our email newsletter that would add value so that you would actually subscribe to it as an employee of our company? You have the greatest feedback loop directly inside your four walls in your business or your virtual walls if you're like me and you work from home. This to me is one of the biggest steps that we are over. We have focused on focus groups and personas and influencer marketing this entire time, skipping over the one people that are kind of going to give us the right advice because they're on our payroll. They're part of the solution and they're part of the process. And so I look at this think like a fan. It should be think like an employee. Think like... A customer think like a you know it, let's let's put ourselves in those shoes and say if my employees think my marketing isn't worth subscribing if my employees aren't that valuable aren't that sold into what I'm doing shouldn't maybe I relook at why I do this and what I share and I think this comes down to truly understanding the value of your employee. The other part of this is collaboration. You know one of the weird worlds that we've kind of lived in is we've we've build our own silos within our organization right so the, the, the finance department's on floor three, the marketing department's on floor four, the sales department's on floor five, the designers are on floor six. We've, we've inherently built in kind of a disconnection within our, our companies, but we've also kind of disconnected ourselves from others in the industry. I mean, how many people have seen businesses come out there, Twitter, for example, and Twitter's came out and said, we are no longer a social media company, we are a news outlet. Well, they weren't just saying that for saying that's sake. The reason they were putting that out there is they were trying to set themselves apart from Facebook. They were tired of being compared to Facebook or to Instagram or to all the other social media tools, and they felt they had something superior in the industry of news than what the CNNs or the Fox News or the Buzzfeed or all of those that are out there. But one of the things that can be learned from this idea is that we've segmented ourselves for so long And now we're realizing that collaboration is truly the future key to innovation. If we are going to innovate as companies, if we are going to start to transform how we do business and how we do services, we're going to have to start to collaborate with other tools, with other solutions, with other products that might be our competition. I mean, I talk about this all the time. I love going to an SAP event or an HP event or an IBM event because when I go to these big enterprise company events, the first thing you do is when you walk through the expo floor, you see all of their competition on the same floor as them. Why is that? Because yes, they compete in certain areas, but in other areas, they're partners. They have API access so that they can push your data into your, you know, your your management solution. Watson can Watson can plug into SAP. Watson can plug into you know all of these different solutions. And this is that idea that collaboration is going to be essential. I mean, I think if you look at companies like Best Buy, right? Best Buy is a brick and mortar company. I think they need to relook at how they provide services, how they look at Uh, connecting online, why are they not collaborating with other businesses? I mean, there was big news that Nike now is actually selling their shoes on Amazon. Nike finally gave in Nike for the longest time said that they will not give in they are they are not going to allow their product to be sold on Amazon but now they realize by collaborating with Amazon and selling some shoes there on Amazon that they're still going to be able to sell their primary shoes their their most you know the shoes that they like you know that has that, has that consumer personalization they're going to still sell those only on their website but if they need to sell 9 thousand twenty thousand you know white on white Nikes that collaborating with Amazon is actually the best solution to get that done. And I think collaboration amongst your peers, amongst your competition, is something we're going to see a hell of a lot more from. And mark my words, we're going to start seeing collaboration between Lyft and Uber at certain events like South by Southwest. Mark my words, we're gonna see direct competitors realize that coming together and kind of teaming up on certain, a certain aspects of your business and certain aspects of what you're doing, let's say for example, Wi-Fi in the Austin, Texas area, if Lyft and Uber come together and contribute to improving the Wi-Fi in that area so that people can, can get the cars they want, where they want, and the location services are better to find, both of those services benefit. Light bulb, right? Okay. The next thing about it is passion, right? This idea of, you know, storytelling probably seems to be like the number one buzzword in marketing today. You know, everybody wants to, you know, we can thank Snapchat for redefining what video storytelling was with their 10-second snaps, but storytelling as a whole with a, you know, you need a beginning, you need a middle, and you need an end, you need to bring people along. All of those things are, are extremely important, and now we're kind of figuring out, okay, Just because I can storytell, just because I can write blogs seven days a week doesn't mean that people are going to come to my website or buy what I'm selling. And, And this is that weird world where creating content for content's sake is stupid. And I will, anyone who's out there right now, if you are blogging seven days a week on your website, if you're blogging once a week on your website, I ask you right now to write down on a piece of paper, why are you blogging? What is the reason for your blogging? And what does success of your blog look like? For, you, for people that are out there, and the reason I'm asking this is because if your fans aren't finding value, if people aren't subscribing, aren't reading your content, it's not because, I mean, most of the time we're like, oh my goodness, it's because our SEO sucks. It's because we haven't, you know, we haven't paid off the right company. We're not, we're not using the right tools. But the funny part about this is, more often than not, the problem with it is, your content sucks. It's not helping somebody, it's not inspiring somebody, and more often than not, you're not even getting it to the right people. And this is, this is probably one of the biggest pieces for me, I'm actually doing a keynote about this next month, is the field of dreams marketing is broken. The field of dreams, the lights have turned out. If you build it, they will not come. Today in 2017, if you build a website, if you create a blog, and you expect people to come to you, you are sorely mistaken. Because not only do we have more channels and more opportunities to consume content, but we now live in this area where we expect brands to come to us. The reason brands are advertising on Snapchat and Instagram, the reason brands are getting involved in live video, the reason that you see companies like, let's face it, Red Bull. I think Red Bull has done an amazing job of creating a. I mean Red Bull is more of a media company than they are a drink company, an energy drink company. And what they've really done is they knew that their consumers were extreme sports lovers. And they knew that to get there, they didn't need to they didn't just want to buy advertising space on the side of a wall at a you know at the snowboard track. They didn't want to buy, they didn't want to put a commercial inside of every X games. What they decided to do is they said, I want to be a part of this community. I want to invest in the people that are doing great things in this extreme sports community. And then, not only beyond that, you need to start understanding that by being a part of that community, you've now brought your conversation to them. And guess what Red Bull doesn't have to do? Watch, watch a Red Bull commercial. Watch Red Bull-sponsored events on ESPN. They never tell you to go to Red Bull.com or to even buy a Red Bull drink because they know that they've brought the conversation to where their community is, they've added value, and they've already sold who they are and what they do and why you should buy them. And if you are part of that community, you're going to make that decision Make it or not, depending on, you don't need a call to action. You don't need a CTA inside of that, that sponsored spot to prove that your customers are, are, are buying what you're selling. And I think this is a very fun space that we live in because it is about how do I put my fans' shoes on, right? And, and remember, to do this, you have to have empathy. You have to have empathy for your customer and your fans of your of your business, so what I mean by that is, if you sell, businesses, if you sell a product that is, is meant for a stay-at-home mom, and the, the goal of this product is to do something and solve a problem for a stay-at-home mom, what you need to do is you need to put yourself in the shoes of a stay-at-home mom. No, no that doesn't mean you just think about, okay, how does a mom buy in their house? You have to think of it this way. Okay, a stay-at-home mom is one of the hardest jobs to do in the world, or stay-at-home dad. You know, they have to raise kids. They probably didn't get much sleep last night. More likely than not, their dishwasher is broken, or they got dishes in the sink. They're mad because they didn't get to go to the grocery store, or they forgot an item at the grocery store. They get woken up too early. The coffee pot's not working right now, and now they're kind of they're frustrated. They have to get the kids ready outside, get them out the door. You have to understand all of these different factors that go into the life of that fan the life of that person to truly present them with marketing that's going to matter right because if you're writing a blog to help a stay-at-home mom and it's on your website and you're not pushing it out where stay-at-home mom or dads you know actually engage how the hell are they going to find you think that the stay-at-home dad is just like hmm, I wonder what brand is talking about productivity hacks for uh, stay-at-home dads, and they're just Googling that. No, more likely than not, they're getting it shared on their Facebook page, someone's bringing it to their Twitter, or guess what, they're probably hearing it. They're probably hearing it from an employee of a company that shared the post inside of a Facebook group, right? And so this is why I say Field of Dreams marketing is broken, and we must stop what we 're doing right now, and expecting that we, we understand the persona of our of our consumer, our consumer is between twenty five and thirty five years old they 're a millennial, which means they 're job hopping they don 't trust anybody, they like participation trophies right and then we all of a sudden we build out a, a persona and a marketing plan towards that type of person, and then we realize that like nobody in a ten year age gap is the same, and nobody does the exact same things here and, and that 's why I really think You have to start looking at your marketing from a fan's perspective first, not a fan's perspective last. Oftentimes we say, this is a strategy we want to do. This is the goal. This is how we're going to measure it. These are who we're going to reach. Oh, and then we better as well, we probably should ask our community if this is something of value to them. Why don't we start with saying, hey, I would really love to reach the new Gen Z audience that are gamers, that are still in college, okay? That's who I want to reach. I'm gonna start going to them, I'm gonna see what, what, what communities they're involved in, what hashtags they use on Twitter, what social media they're involved with, who are their biggest fans, What influ- who are the influencers in that network. I'm gonna start to study how and why these different people, brands, conversations are happening, right? Like, that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to start from the fan's perspective. Then once I understand what matters to them, I'm going to say, how can I help them? How can I solve a problem? How can I create a piece of content that ultimately makes their lives better, which then makes them have a relationship with us? That's how fandom works. I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I'm a Pittsburgh everything fan. And yes, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. But the reason I love to be part of that is because when I go to an game when I see somebody that wears black and yellow when I when I when I'm cheering for my team we are part of that team the reason we say we I, you know the Pittsburgh Steelers we lost this weekend right like the reason that word we is used is because we feel part of it we feel like our voice matters we feel like this is something we we belong to and for brands and for businesses that are out there you have to start doing that and I really think this is where we take things like automation and user experience and we start redefining what that means. I mean, we're, we're getting scared about artificial intelligence, yet we haven't even figured out how to listen to what our customers, our potential customers, and even our employees want from our business. So for everyone that's out there listening when I use the hashtag think like a fan and what I do is anytime I see a brand that is creating great content or sharing things from a real fan's perspective and it's not someone that I most most of the time it's not companies that I work for it's not companies that I've done work with but it's usually companies that are actually doing things and I'm like man I'm a fan I mean I'm a big Converse Chuck Taylor fan. I love wearing Chuck Taylors. I personalize my Chuck Taylors on the website, right? When I get an email from them and they've broken down their new customization options with examples from different people that I enjoy uh, watching or following on social media, I'm, as a fan, I'm excited to go to the website. And I'm gonna leave you guys with this for this episode. How many times, no matter what your industry is, are people excited about going to your website, reading your content, or engaging with you as a company? Probably not very often. If you simply make this simple change, start thinking like a fan, start putting yourself in the fan's shoes, and start figuring out how can I go to where they are at? How do I solve their problem? How do I make their day and life easier? I can promise you, you're going to start inspiring and getting people excited to come by from you Instead of the marketing that we're doing today, which let's face it, we're trying to trick people, we're trying to hopefully get on their their uh, in their email box whenever they're productive, and to me this is something that not only is broken, but it's something that we must fix today because this consumer is getting smarter tomorrow, getting smarter two days from now. And soon, we're going to get to a place where just because you disrupt my email box, just because you have a commercial on my website, just because you make me watch a 30-second ad when I get, to your, uh, I get to your YouTube channel does not mean because I watch that piece of content that I appreciate being disrupted, that I want to buy your tool. People are going to buy from those that they can relate to and those brands that, trust, that they trust can relate to them challenge you to be that brand, to be that business. Remember, disrupting the status quo doesn't mean blowing everything up or starting something from scratch. It simply means questioning why you're doing something that you've always been doing, what the end result of that is, and if that is the end result that you desire, and that's the end result that's going to allow you to continue to scale and continue to do business. My name is Brian Fanzo. This is episode number 45. Thanks so much for watching. If you love this show and you, and you really like want to help me continue growing this with more sponsors and more events, even more episodes, please do me a favor. Leave me, an, uh, leave me a review on iTunes. So just go to itunes.fomofans.live in your browser. That's itunes.fomofans.live in your browser. Leave me a review. I would greatly appreciate a review over there on iTunes. And you guys will be the first to know... Think like a fan. It will not be the last you've heard of this new, redone, think like a fan mantra as we move forward in 2718. I can promise you, stay tuned. Some exciting things in the works. My name is Brian Fanzo, better known as iSocial Fans. Make it a great day. Go out of your way to tell someone thank you, to tell someone you appreciate what they do. I can promise you, doing something as simple as saying thank you can come back to you tenfold. you guys are inspired to think like a fan i know i am very passionate about this topic and you might have had to slow down the podcast as i was talking a little fast but you know one of the things that i was really focused on is what brands have to do differently and i guess for this segment for this rant that's sponsored by my good friends over there at iographer my my ploy my my really focus for everyone that's listening right now is that we as the consumer have to be not only empowered by the fact that we are now smarter, we have more access to data, we have more information at our disposal, but we have to become very active and supportive of those brands and those companies that are doing it the right way. And what I mean by that is we often take to social media, we often take to uh, our Facebook posts or even uh, to the water cooler or when we're at the bar, More often than not, we're talking about the brands that suck, the people that have done bad things. It's really, I blame a lot of it has to do with the way that news is delivered as we focus a lot on the bad news. But to inspire brands, to invest in their community, to understand and embrace the data and power of their consumer, it helps to know that when they're doing it the right way, that consumers, we as the consumers will celebrate them, will go out of our way to make people aware of what they were doing above and beyond. You know, for example, you know, I'm a I fly Delta every single week, and I I think Delta has amazing customer service in an industry that let's face it, the airline industry is not an industry that any of us think of when we think of great experiences or, uh, you know, great businesses. But one of the things that Delta has really gone out of the way for me, and I'm a, you know a a premium member flyer with them, is that I do all of my engagement, all of my troubleshooting. Every time a flight is canceled, I engage and do all of my communication via Twitter direct message. And so we have a Twitter direct message stream, myself with the customer service department of Delta, that goes back almost two years where if my flight got canceled this past week and I had landed and I got a four hour delay and all of a sudden the flight was canceled, and everyone went rushing to the podium. And I simply opened my Twitter DM and said, hey guys, this is my flight number, this is my, my flight. Um, can you figure out what's the next flight option for me to be on? And the interesting thing was, just like they have every single time, they replied back in a matter of minutes, told me that I was already rebooked, let me know that this was the situation and what was going on. They even let me know that, you know, um, although my flight was canceled, that I could go find a red coats, And they actually even told me what I should say when I go up to them so that I could get a voucher uh, to stay the night. And this is, to me, the, the essence of great social customer service. And I went out of my way and I go out of my way every time to, to post that on Twitter and share that with my followers because I believe there's no way to, for me as a consumer to have American Airlines or United or some of these other airlines open their eyes to this amazing service that Delta is providing me unless I'm celebrating that, right? And and it's not even just other airlines, but if I want my hotel chains or if I want to inspire other brands to do things like this brand is doing that I really enjoy, Shouldn't we celebrate that? And so I I challenge you, and this is a little bit less of a rant, more of a a, a challenge segment. I challenge you to think about brands that have gone above and beyond. Think about brands that you, you read their email newsletter every single time because it does two or three things. Do you post about those brands? Do you share those out? Do you tell people, "Hey, did you guys? You know, I really love you know, one of the brands, of course, that I talked about on the episode. You know, Converse. You know, I love Converse and Nike's email. They do a great job of." keeping it up to date, keeping it short, not making it very salesy, and they kind of you know don't bombard me with more than one or two emails a week total. And I think these are the things for us as the empowered consumer, we have to take it upon ourselves to celebrate those wins. And so I challenge you, think about in your business, think about even in your life as a consumer, what brands do you like? What brands are doing a great job for you? And let's post about them. Let's celebrate them. Let's write a blog post about them. Let's tweet at them and say, thank you for doing this. Thank you for going above and beyond. And don't just tell them, hey, you're great. Tell them why and what they're doing that makes them great. Because not only will that continue to inspire brands to think differently and think like a fan, but it will also put other brands on notice and give them the, the answers. Hey, did you know that Delta is doing this on social DM and they've eliminated my need to get on the phone? or wait in long lines when I have you know, flights canceled. And as a busy business traveler, this is massively valuable. By putting out the how and why Delta is so amazing for me, it allows other brands to learn from that, not just be jealous or think that that just must be someone that's paid to talk about them as a brand. Because the craziest thing about it is, the brands I talk the most about, Delta, Buffer, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, Converse, these are all brands that I am a massive fan of, and they have never paid me one penny, or even reached out to pay me. Well, maybe that's even another FOMO fans rant. Why are not more brands turning to their fans and empowering them as their influencers and advocates? But that's another podcast. For this one, I challenge you, let's celebrate those good brands, let's put them on notice, and let the world know what brands we enjoy, what brands are doing it right. Hopefully, to empower others as we are now the intelligence.